It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and It's Talking Twins and more, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host from twinfo.com.au, Naomi Dolan. Hey, mate, how are you going? Hey, Nikki, I'm really good. How are you today? I am pretty fantastic. How about you? What's been going on? Oh, I'm feeling really good today. I shouldn't be because I had a really late night. But, um, yeah, like, so... I am doing something for myself. What, hey, whoa, hang on, what? I know. Uh, a, I want to know what, but B, uh, twin mum, working mum, where are you finding the time? Well, from 8pm to 10pm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is very specific. Okay, tell me more. I have started back doing my hula hoop lessons. Oh, yes. That is awesome. I know. I'm so excited. So I went to my first one last night. Now, um, some of our listeners will, I think I've spoken about it. I, I mm-hmm. sometimes do some hula hooping in burlesque shows. And um, I've just gone back after three years because I have had two lots of knee surgery. So last night was my first night back on the hoops and it was amazing. Oh, how are the hips feeling now? Well, it's not really the hips. Um, with this one, but this one is also a bit of a hip-hop dance. And let's just say I am not a dancer. So this music was really fast. We're doing a routine to um, Cannibal by Keisha, and it's a lot faster than I than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I want to see a bit of video evidence of this. Can you please get someone to film it next time that you go? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, definitely. Come on, inspire other twin mums to do something different. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> next time I come from a road trip when everything's back to normal, you've got to take me to one of these classes, that's for sure. <laughs> I you're love, on. I love the fact that you're doing something for yourself. Um, I am not, but that's okay. Hey, uh, we've got Claire back joining us again this week. Loved her story last week. Oh, so did I. So inspiring. Um, really looking forward to hear now how they progressed through NICU and special care and everything and and how they're all going at home now. We'll do it next. We're going to catch up with Claire. It's Talking Twins and More. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. And joining us on the line for the second week in the row is Claire, who is mother to gorgeous microprems. Hello, Claire. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Um, look, let's kickstart from where we were last week. We had just got through uh, your pregnancy and then your birth story. Um, certainly, listening back to it, a few chills down my spine. Wonderfully, wonderful story. Uh, how did you feel? Well, first of all, talking about it. Look, I I enjoy talking about it. It's um, I know for a lot of mums and dads, even you know, talking about it is is hard. But for me, it's it's important. It's part it's part of my life now. It's part of mm. the twins' life. So. Yeah, I, I enjoy talking about it. There are parts that, you know, I remember and I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't enjoy that part. But no, I love it. I love talking about it. It is what it is. I can't change it now. I was thinking about you a lot this week. I took um, five huge boxes of really tiny prem clothing up to um, our local hospital to donate. Aww. And I went into the ward you know, into the NICU where we only spent five weeks in there. But I was walking down with the first couple armloads of boxes and the smell as I got closer and closer to the doors of, you know, of 
the hand washes and, and all of just the, the NICU smell mm. was coming towards me and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. And I hadn't thought about it. I just kept walking and then I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, I was talking to the nurse and then she just took so long to find somebody that I thought, I think I might just leave these here and go. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, it was really, I was really surprised how much it triggered me being back in in the mm. NICU. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange place, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think we, we wrapped up last week talking about how it's very foreign. Like you often go through a pregnancy not thinking about a NICU. Naomi, you'd, you'd had a tour of it, which was sort of a, a great little way of getting an understanding. Um, Claire, for you, we, we left last week when you'd literally just had the twins. Um, hmm. When was the first time you then got to really see them after, after you'd given birth? Oh, well, after the birth was a real was really strange. Um, so that the dad went down with the twins down to the NICU and I stayed up in the labour and birth ward and had to wait for my epidural to wear off and all that sort of jazz um, and no one talked about the babies, no one mentioned them, it was just sort of like a weird taboo subject um, I didn't ask either, it was a weird sort of environment so we just continued getting myself cleaned up and all that sort of jazz and then uh, Obviously, I had no contact with Zach downstairs. You're not allowed phones down in the NICU. Um, so I was upstairs wondering what was going on. No one was telling me anything. So it was oh, probably about four hours, five hours maybe after the birth that I was allowed down. Um, so Zach came up and got me and wheeled me down in a wheelchair uh, down through the hospital doors into this, the NICU where, we, where the twins were was brand new. Well, very new anyways. And the rest of the hospital is quite the opposite. It's very much an old heritage-style building. So going into the NICU was like, wow. We were, it looked like a sterile theatre. Um, and we walked, we walked in and, as, as you mentioned, that smell, it just hits you. It's like a nothingness smell, just like cleaning products and alcohol. And all you hear is beep constant beeping um, and there was Archie on the left and I remember looking at him and he was in a, a he wasn't even in a humidity crib so he wasn't in an incubator as yet he was in a resuscitation bed with what looks like glad wrap but it's like a thicker style glad wrap completely over top of him like he was in a little plastic bag and he had tubes and wires and all sorts attached to him, and it was just such a crazy feeling. Wow. Little man, and, and yeah, he was just so small. It must have been quite surreal. Do you remember what was going through your head when you were looking at him so unbelievably tiny? I mean, I, I thought my babies were tiny at sort of one and a half kilos, but I think you said 800 grams? Yeah, 870 Archie was. Oh, look, I don't I don't remember what was going through my head exactly. Like, I knew they'd be small when I had that tiny glimpse just after the birth, but it was everything else. It was the whole surroundings. It was mm. the other babies. It was the other parents right there next to you. Um, it was the giant machines that were sort of keeping him alive. Uh, he was at that point in time, I, I later learned he was on the... Oh, the high frequency oscillating ventilator, which is for the sickest of sickest bugs. 
so I just remember there was this noise. It was like, doof, 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 doof. and I just, you know, thought that was normal. But as it turned out, that he was on a, a really intense ventilator for a while because he really wasn't doing too well. My goodness. So, yeah. yeah. There's certain noises that you remember, and that's one I always remember about the first time I saw him. When I think of seeing him for the first time, I think of that noise. That is, yeah. And I'm, I'm so sorry you had to wait so long to see them even. Um, that must have just been heart-wrenching, lying there, not really knowing what was going on. That was the hardest part was the not knowing. And, you know, I didn't ask either because I thought maybe I wasn't, you know, maybe I didn't want to know. Um, so yeah, it was it was weird. No one sort of spoke about it, and they said, "Oh, you'll get down there once your epidural's worn off, and blah blah blah." And the doctor says you're and you're cleaned up. So I just I just waited. Mm. When you did get down there, and and once that fir- sort of first moment, did they start talking through with you um, the situation with each one of the twins? Yeah, so I walked in for Archie first because they unfortunately were at opposite ends of the NICU um, oh. to start with for the first few days because that's where the available beds were. So we walked in and saw Archie and he was, you know, all in his glad wrap and they gave me a quick rundown that he was stable and da 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 Because that's obviously one of the favourite words in NICU is they're stable for now. And then we wandered around the corner. Well, I got wheeled around the corner and we went to see Frankie. She was in the far corner and she was in a humidity crib by this stage, so an incubator and she... <laughs> She was tiny, even a little bit smaller than Archie, but she had these long legs on her with this long, long feet, and her feet were up near her ears. And she wore this little funny pink hat, and she, yeah, she was just the funniest looking little creature you've ever seen. And, yeah, she just kicked all goals from there, really. Wow, incredible. So what what sort of happened in those next few days in terms of your own personal recovery and those, um, I guess, were they were the first few days the most critical, or what was the scenario? Well, the first day, so the day that they were born, I guess. Um, Zach's mother flew in from New Zealand, and Zach's dad also flew in from over east. He lives in Sydney, so um, we had some family arriving, which was going to be really good to look after the dog, and I mean, I didn't have to worry about the house and all that sort of jazz. But my recovery was really good. I Spent most of the day going back and forth from the NICU up to my room to rest and all that sort of jazz. And I think Zach went to pick up his mother and she came and saw the twins and all that jazz. And he took her home because she was exhausted and took her to our house so she could settle in and left me at the hospital. And I popped down to see the kids. And the doctor grabbed me. He was a young Young, youngish doctor and he was absolutely lovely and he said I, need, I would like to have a chat and so he sits me down and has a bit of an update on Archie so I don't know how much you guys know but when bubs are born so so prematurely they get pretty intensely checked over in those first 24 hours so they get um, brain scans um, brain ultrasounds just to make sure there's no um, ventricular hemorrhages, they get heart scans to make sure that their ducts are all doing what they should be doing and closing up, as well as bloods and all that sort of jazz. But uh, the doctor sat me down without that and he said, now we have we have found that there's some abnormalities with Archie. We found that he does have a, a bleed in his brain, which is very common for premature babies. 
Now, what he also said was they could see from the imaging that that bleed is a little bit unusual because it looked like it happened 24 to 48 hours before he was born. So usually it would happen Mm. or immediately after, but his actually occurred prior. Wow. So obviously when you hear that the doctor's going over other things, you know, immediately sort of tells you about cerebral palsy and all sorts of other jazz and all sorts of scary things, which you don't want to hear on the day, the first day. Mm. And you were by yourself, you poor thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly what what I wanted to hear, but it was, it was what it was. wasn't anything we could do now. So he just said we needed to monitor it. They'd have, he'd have another scan in 24 hours and they'd continue to monitor it. It was a grade two for memory on day one um, and they were going to keep an eye on it. Um, but obviously Zach wasn't there with me so I had to subtly message Zach and be like, hey, uh, can you come back to the hospital? Um, doctor just wants to have a bit of a chat and he knew, he knew straight away that something was wrong. Um, you don't mm. call somebody back to the hospital just to have a bit of a chat. Mm. So, yeah, it would have been oh, an awful drive for him. I was just thinking that. That drive for him must have just been, oh, heart, yeah, heart-wrenching for him. Mm. Yeah, no, poor bugger. I, I really felt for him in that moment because, you know, he, he knows when I'm trying to hide the truth from him sometimes. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. The waiting, I guess, because if they told you that you then had to do another scan, was it the next day? Yeah, I think it was the next day or the day after. I can't remember. I'm pretty certain it's 24 hours for the next one and then 72 and so forth and so forth. I can only imagine um, the waiting. I mean, we, we were very lucky. We spent a really small time in NICU and even there, like I, I found it so overwhelming. But then to be delivered this news, trying to process it and you can't really – you know, you just got to wait. You've got to wait and see how each day goes. Must have been an in- incredibly. You'd already been through a lot, but an even more challenging process. Yeah, it was. It was hard because I guess you know, yeah, yeah, being told there's something something wrong and something that could be quite drastically wrong and something that might affect him for his whole life was just wow. What you know, mm. you automatically panic and you think of the worst case scenario and. Yeah, it wasn't nice, the waiting and the constantly monitoring him. And, I mean, as he, as he went through his Nikki journey, he, um, I mean, premiers have a very particular shaped head anyway because they mm. often have to wear those CPAP hats for extended periods of time. And Archie was one of those kids. He, had, he was on the CPAP for a very long time. Now, he had the biggest forehead, like massive, looked like Homer Simpson. Um, and... Every doctor that saw him was like, oh, his head is ginormous. He must have a, you know, hydrocephalus or la da 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 or this must be wrong. And he didn't. It was just he had this gigantic forehead, which he has grown into. Um, but everyone was always very worried about Archie's brain bleed due to the fact that his head was the shape it was. So with Frankie, how was Frankie going through those first couple of days? Look, she she did really well. Um, first few days, from memory, she actually came off the ventilator, so the um, endotracheal tube, later than Archie the first time around. So she came off on day two and went on to CPAP and Archie was end of day one from memory. Well, she was day three and he was day two. And she, she had a pretty uneventful NICU journey. We were very fortunate with her. She was one of the bubs that just has not been affected in any kind of way. 
Um, she was off all breathing support by 35 weeks, which was awesome. Came off um, any oxygen. She didn't have any problems taking her feed. She did have two, two minor infections during that time. And the first one I do remember because she, yeah, she just got this infection and she just didn't fight it as fast as the doctors had hoped. And we were a bit worried at one point because, you know, you hear of um, bug-setting infections and sepsis and all that sort of stuff and, you know, it being the end of them. Um, but thankfully she fought it off. Um, she lost a bit of condition, but other than that, no, she's, she was brilliant. She came home on how many days? She was day 92. She was discharged. So she came home uh, before her brother. Wow. Which was kind of kind of nice, actually. I kind of wanted that a little bit of, I don't know, time to ease into what it was like to have a baby at home. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how long were you, when were you, were you discharged from hospital relatively quickly and then you were obviously yeah, going I, back, back and forth on a daily basis? Yeah. So I discharged myself the day after. So I didn't, I didn't want to be alone in a hotel, in a hotel room. I wish it was a hotel room. <laughs> um, in a hospital room. Um, mm. Yeah. The first night, they let Zach stay with me uh, because we'd just got the news about Archie's brain bleed. So the midwives were great. They were like, no, we'll bring in a down to bed and, you know, he can stay in here. We're not sending him home. Um, so that was lovely. Um, but yeah, I discharged the next day and was in that hospital once, if not twice, every day. Mm. And what about um, when did you first get to hold them? Oh, when did I get to hold? I think I got to hold Archie first on day. So it was about day three that they managed to do a bit of a shuffle round in the NICU and get them next to each other, which was much Oh, that's better. nice. Yes, definitely. Because, oh, when they weren't together, it was just such a nightmare. You felt guilty when you were with one and not the other and started up. But yeah, I think it was day, day three, day four maybe that I got to hold Archie. And I just remember they put him, when I put him on my chest, just how tiny mm. he was. You look at something, I think it's small, but then when it's sitting on you and, and you know what size a normal baby is, mm. Mm. it was just, yeah, so strange and he was so fragile and I didn't know what to do with my hands. Can I move my head? What if I touch him? It was just, it was a, it was a beautiful experience, but it was terrifying. Yeah, a bit scary. You're worried you're almost going to crush him. Um, in a measurement sort of thing, um. Just to try and gain an idea of how small Archie was, for example, if you were to measure him up against something, what sort of size would you be looking at? Like, for example, when Harry was born, his body from his bottom to the top of his head, and don't ask me why this is our measurement, but it is, was the size of a Corona bottle. Uh, is, That's is, a good measurement. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Um, is there something that you could say, you know, in comparative or your hand or something like that to give us an idea of what sort of size he was, length he was? He, they were born around 30 centimetres long. So they were the same size as your standard average school ruler. Oh, wow. And that's, that's and feet to head? Feet to toe. Wow. Yep. Gosh, that's tiny. Teeny weeny. My goodness. Yeah, you would have felt so scared holding them. Was well, it was terrifying and it was. Because their skin is obviously a different colour. When they're that small, it's kind of 
translucent, but red, and it's just, oh, yeah. And there's all those cords and machines, and yeah. it takes like three people to get them settled onto you, and so then you yeah. don't want to move. <laughs> exactly, you're stuck there for as long as they can they can handle it, and yeah, then you hear the beeping. If the beep, if he started to see that, or oh man, you just panic. What's going on? I can't see the monitors. Oh. Yeah, you learn to read those monitors pretty quickly, yeah. don't you? Oh, you do. Oxygen saturation levels, I think you're an expert at those. And you're within 24 hours when you've got a NICU baby. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so what's that beeping? Oh, it's gone down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so what sort of milestones did they have to go through as they progressed through their time at NICU being microprims? Oh, they had, uh, obviously had to get weaned off their oxygen, which is such a big big thing for microprims is because they do require that long-term oxygen support. Sometimes it can take them a lot longer to come off oxygen, which we weren't too worried about because subs can come home on on oxygen. They also needed to be able to take all their own feed. So for the first couple of months, I pumped around the clock trying to produce enough milk. But I, I was not a milker. Um, I think on my peak day, I managed to produce 220 mils, and that was so exciting. Uh, which isn't even enough for one baby for one day. And it's so, so hard um, when you don't have your babies uh, on so your So hard. And, yeah. and you're just sitting there with this pump just on you for as many hours a day as you can. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, we were fortunate enough that we have a really good milk bank where the twins were born. So they were given breast milk from donor, um, donor mums up until about 32, 34 weeks. Oh, that's so lovely, isn't it? It's so nice, like absolutely amazing. And you know, I think that's part of the reason why they they're doing so well now. Is yeah, because they had that extra extra bit of support um, early on, where a lot of hospitals don't have that milk bank. And yeah, I'm very thankful uh, that we have that in WA. Absolutely, yeah. We've got one in Brisbane now. Um, mm-hmm. That started since mine were born. Um, it started a couple of years ago, but yeah, I, I often think, oh, what a brilliant, brilliant concept. It's so good. I mean, we donate blood. Why should it be any yeah, different? So, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, they they had to do everything a normal baby learns to do in their first couple of weeks, but they had, you know, had to grow and develop. I mean, I remember reading, and I can't remember whose blog it was, but I was reading a blog, and it said something about holding her nippleless baby. And I thought that was weird. Uh, I'm pretty certain her bub was born at like 28 weeks. And I said, that's so strange. Her baby was born without nipple. And I went down a couple of days later, I, I looked at my twin. They didn't have nipples. There you and go. I, <laughs> I said to the nurse, I was like, hang on a second. And she's like, they get to it about 32 weeks. Wow. But I was just like, Simple things like that, that their, their whole body hasn't formed because it hasn't had that chance. What a lot of people don't understand is they're not just small babies. They're not formed babies. Mm. Isn't it amazing now, though, that they can do that on the outside? Oh, absolutely. Like, just watching the change in them, like, from birth. And I'm even just talking to you guys, I'm remembering little things. But, yeah, it's just amazing that they have... They're so strong that they can actually grow. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's quite incredible. It's just uh, absolutely incredible. 
And I think, you know, when when your baby's so little, when they're first born, those first few weeks, you notice so many changes anyway, regardless of the gestation. But you would have noticed even more, kind of probably on a half daily basis, there might be something different as they literally developed in front of your eyes. Yeah, 100%. Like even something as simple as their nipples, you know. Mm. Um, and like their fingernails and their ear cartilage and their eyes opening because their eyes were sealed when they were born. Um, and Frankie's didn't open for about, to 14 days yeah so yeah just silly things like that you take for granted and you then when you think about it you look back and you go yeah actually it was like a plant watching a plant grow yeah gosh it must have been incredible that first time that each one of them opened their eyes yeah it was like their eyes are, their eyes are different because they the, the color of their eyes isn't isn't there so their, their whole eyes are like black mm. and yeah it's but when they did open their eyes, um, Archie in particular, because he has huge eyes, um, yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing thinking that they could they couldn't see us in detail, but knowing that they can picture what they've been hearing all the time. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely. And did you have any special little things that you did with them? Like, did you read to them? Did you sing to them? My friend who had her um, triplets at twenty three weeks, I remember her thing was that she always stroked their eyebrows. And right all the way through, um, you know, she could calm them by that. It was like they knew it was her touch. Yeah. And she did it even, you know, once she got them home, you know, even when they were older and two two years old and going for, you know, going for vaccinations or something and she needed to calm them, she would stroke their eyebrows. Oh, that's so cute. I guess I rub above their ear. Like, yeah, I used to do that a lot. Mm. Like I'd have my hand on the sort of the back of their head and I'd rub with my thumb above their yeah. ear. Yeah. Lovely. Um, How cute. But, yeah, I just used to spend as much time as I could there. And And what about, um, did you have, I mean, I know that our journey, which was nothing like yours, we had a lot of, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. They do tell you that's the way it goes. They do, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did you have any major setbacks throughout it? Nothing too dramatic. Like, um, I remember, it must have been about a month in and, Archie's oxygen requirement has been creeping up and all that sort of jazz and we've sort of been prepared that he might have to go back on the ventilator and you know, we were well prepared for it but uh, we got a phone call at 2 in the morning. Uh, uh, the only phone call we got, we're very lucky, we're very fortunate for that but it was the only phone call we got and it was from um, one of the residents saying that they've had to re-intubate him and they'll catch me about it in the morning and he's stable and and, you know, I, I knew that was going to happen, but it's just that gut-wrenching phone call. Um, it just feels like you're going really backwards when you have those little setbacks, even though it's normal. Absolutely. It's and scary. I think that's one thing that is important for people to understand. It mm. is normal. It um, is. I mean, everyone's going to be different, obviously, with what does happen, and no one can predict what's going to happen. But I know, and I mean, they do the best they can, the amazing doctors and nurses, to let you know that, look, this tomorrow when you come in, this may have happened or, yeah. you know, um, and yeah, it, you're forever though. It is definitely two steps forward, one step back. It is, it is. Like Frankie flew through everything. I don't think she had any real backward steps. Like once she came off ventilator, she stayed off, same with CPAP and um, all the rest, but yeah, Archie, he had a couple of attempts at pretty much everything, even coming off oxygen. Um, 
to the end, when he, when they finally took him off oxygen, I didn't go in that day. Frankie was already home, and I knew that they were going to try taking him off oxygen again. And I just couldn't watch him. Not that they didn't want to watch him fail, but I didn't have it in me to to watch. Yeah. yeah. And so because yeah. I was there the first time, and he went cyanotic, so he went quite blue, and it was just I didn't I didn't want that for me again because yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. baby and Too he traumatic. just goes completely yeah. blue um, and it was not, well, it was quite funny at the time they were doing a bit of a mock scenario in the special care unit that we were in at that point about a baby being held by a mother and going cyanotic and then having to pull the recess tables out and all that sort of jazz and I'm sitting there with Archie watching everything go along and he's you know first day not on oxygen and the little bugger he does it he does oh. exactly what they were making out <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! I shouldn't laugh. I'm not laughing. Oh, I know, I know. I know. You can't oh laugh. my god! <laughs> I know. I was like, you yeah, oh. okay. Like honestly, but he was fine. Um, he went back on oxygen pretty quick, smart. But um, yeah. That the, what four days later they um they I stayed at home with Frankie and they took him off oxygen and he stayed off oxygen and he came home three or four days later. So oh wow, incredible. So with Archie. Where you were at with sort of those scans, what what has developed and, and where did you go with that? How did that uh, unfold? Well, I guess throughout, throughout the journey, we sort of, we tried to be, ask as many questions about it as we could. And as it went along, unfortunately, it did progress to a, what we were originally told was a grade three bleed. So it was all still contained within the ventricle and all that sort of jazz, but Closer to discharge, um, I started noticing that the, the doctors were calling it a grade four. It probably wasn't closer to discharge. It's, been, it's maybe a couple of months out. And and I, and I queried it and they, they showed me the new scans and it had progressed to a level four. Um, so that is unfortunately the worst, the worst kind, um, but it was only one-sided. So, yeah, since discharge, he's been enrolled in what they call the early intervention. Mm-hmm. And so he receives physio, OT, speech pathology, all sorts of jazz. So he's been getting twice weekly appointments since discharge, pretty much. And um, he will have a lifelong disability from it. He will have some form of cerebral palsy. But there is an element with Archie as well where the he had a small bleed at the back of the brain near the cerebellum and that has affected his optic nerve. So he also has quite a visual component to his issues as well where he we, we don't know what he can and can't see at this stage. Because how old are they now? Oh, you were going to ask a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> are they uh, 18 months actual? 14 months corrected. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he's just started commando crawling this last couple of weeks, which has been amazing. And he's oh, that's it. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So excited because he gets annoyed because his sister's at, you know, walking, running, doing whatever she wants, and he's frustrated that he's not quite where she is. Oh. Yes. I think that must be very difficult for, um, you know, for a twin. I mean, we always say, oh, don't consider even from that young age, 
Yeah. I know we had quite a large difference between my two, mm. you know, with their mobility. And Us too. I used to often look at him looking at and go, oh, I wonder if he's thinking, oh, why, why can't I do that? Or, mm. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I know. I feel so bad for him. Yes. But yeah, he's you getting do, there don't in, you? His, in his own time, though, which is wonderful. Exactly. He really is getting there and, you know, we're putting in the hard hard work. Like, um, we're fortunate enough now where we're receiving funding where we can get the the therapist to come out to the house because, you know, going to the hospital two, three times a week is just, particularly with two babies, is a real drag for lack it of a better word. It certainly is. Absolutely. So and he does so much better with the in-home therapy and he's just kicking goals because of that, I think. He's a lot more confident in his own ability at home than he is out and about. Oh, it's good to see him. It's going well. Um, so just backtracking a second, how long were they actually in the NICU for in total? Frankie was 92 days and Archie was 100, 111. So he was discharged the day before his due date. Goodness yeah. Oh, what a little oh, trooper. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. So we're stoked to have amazing to get, to get them home at, before their due date, particularly a baby that had a, um, mm. a brain hemorrhage. Like it just shows how tough these little nuggets are. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. Some of them are just such fighters, and your two certainly sound yeah. like fighters. Um, was it quite overwhelming having had them in the NICU for quite a long time? I mean, I mean, we were only in NICU for a little bit and then special care, but even I felt a bit institutionalised, like how am I going to cope when I get these things home? Uh, was it a bit like that? I mean, so many days. It must have been quite overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I wanted to take Frankie home first was so I could do a bit of a slow adjustment because I was terrified. Mm. You know, what do you do without monitors? What do you do, yeah, what do, you I, do without a nurse? I like, remember that feeling like, well, I didn't want to take them off the monitors because the monitors were reassuring that I knew everything was going okay I, or alarm would go off, whereas you get them home, there's no alarm. <laughs> no, so you just got to watch them, make sure they're breathing yeah. constantly. And, you know, I mean, preemie babies make lots of noises, so you know they're alive because they have the... You know, we are warned about it and primies have a, like a grunt and a groan. They grunt and groan. They're constantly making noises. So it was that was reassuring. So making noise and grunting and groaning, they were fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can still remember some of those noises that you used to hear in the NICU. And what sizes were they when you got to take them home? Oh. I'm really asking the hard questions. <laughs> yeah. Look, they weren't, they were still little. Yeah. They were still little. They would have been under four kilos easily. Archie, he gained quite a bit of weight in, um, in Niku. He shot up quite quickly. He was a kilo, I believe, within a few days. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, he really shot up. Um, I was going to ask what their sort of growth rate was, but that's incredible. Yeah, so he was a key because we shared like there was, the way our Niki was set up. It's kind of like in in these wings, and there was four four uh, incubators in our little wing, and there was another little baby with us that um, was born a little bit later, but with his mother had preeclampsia, and he had already been born for about a month, maybe five weeks, and he he was very little. He still wasn't quite a kilo, so it really put it into perspective how big my guys were. Um, when we got to know that family and, you know, their little bub was maybe a kilo similar sort of time as Archie, maybe a couple of days later. That was nearly 30 weeks, so it was a massive difference. Mm. God, it would have been incredible to watch. Fascinating. Clay, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, It's quite amazing. No worries. Absolutely my pleasure. And it's so good. I think that, yeah, I think there will be a lot of people, um, 
that this will be very helpful for. I know that, um, you know, obviously on in the Twinspo side of it and um, the parents of multiples group, I often get parents panicking because something has happened and they're told to get prepared. Uh, so this will be definitely, I'm looking forward to having, you know, such a good, good resource that I can share with them to help, help you along. And, um, we can also, we will, again, we'll share your page so other people can, um, share your journey. So can you, uh, tell us your Instagram page again, please? Yeah. So the kids have an Instagram page, which is big underscore little underscore twins. And it's just sort of been a bit of a way for me to, keep track of things really and communicate with family and friends overseas and yeah we we love hearing from other parents that are just starting their journey or you know we've always got an open ear inbox is always open oh that's lovely thank you Claire, thank you so much. It's been awesome hearing your story over the, the last couple of weeks and we're so excited to continue following you on social media and watch little Frankie and Archie grow up and they're, they're doing so well. So thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com.